this chapter. We are very, very appreciative of what you do for the church. All right. Uh, excuse me. If you'll turn your Bibles to Genesis, uh, your time to turn there. We're going to look at Genesis. Uh, we'll skip around a little bit. We're going to Genesis 13, 18, and 19. Also, we're going to read those three chapters. We're going to hit a few verses here and there to get our point across this morning. We're going to turn to Genesis 13. And uh, Sharon, that's the first go to the Bible. If you go to the front, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, Genesis 13, love to torment my mother in law. So much. Oh, speaking, I just saw time over here. I told the first service, and I want to do it again, second service. This week was a police appreciation day, and uh, let's give a hand to our officers and thank them for all the things Thank you very, very much. That's our first service. It's just, uh, it really makes me angry. Um, you see people disrespecting our police officers, and, uh, you know, you see coffee places putting nasty things on cups. And I told Randy, I said, I could never be a police officer because. First of all, it's also may hurt a child or a woman. There'd be accidental discharges of a gun. But anyway, <laughs> not only that, if I pulled somebody over and they pulled that little stunt like you see these videos, well, the Constitution says, blah, 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 I would bust that window open and I'd be, oh, I, I'm telling you, I would, I'd make about 10 minutes as a police officer and I'd be the one in jail. But they do a lot for us to sacrifice time for their families and uh, work hard to keep us safe. So always be sure to let the police officer know that they are loved, needed, and appreciated. All right. Remember that time next time you pull me over. All right. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, all right. Let's see. We're looking at chapter 13. Uh, first of all, I'm going to read 9 through 13. There's a reason. But now all the other chapters we're going to look at, I'll just look at a verse or two and hit the highlights on those. But this one, I feel like we do, do need to read these. Uh, Genesis 13, and verse 9 says, Is not the whole land before thee? Now remember, this is talking, we're talking about Lot and Abraham. And uh, uh, they were together, uh, they, their families and clans had grown to the point where they just couldn't sustain being together. Okay? And to keep in mind something, this is something I, I told in first service. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, we talk about uh, prominent figures such as Lot or Samson or no, things like that. You know, you may be like, oh, here we go again. I, you know, we're going to read this. I've read this a million times. I know what it is. Keep in mind, listen, now, I, we're going to hit on a lot, but there's, there's more to this message today than just a lot. Okay, keep that in mind. And two, don't ever just blow past things like this. Say, well, yeah, I know that story. This is not just a story. This is truth. This is not relative. This is subjective. This is real truth. This happened. And another thing not to gloss over is don't take for granted that everybody knows what you're talking about. Because I grew up, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school uh, for the most part, then I went to public school. But uh, I took for granted that everybody knew uh, some of the fundamentals of Noah, Samson, things like that, until social media came along. And then I realized not everybody knows that. In fact, there's a whole bunch of people out there who have never, ever entered the doorsteps of a church, never opened up a Bible, never grew up in a Christian home, so they don't have a clue about any of this stuff. So if you know the Bible frontwards and backwards, good for you. But keep in mind, there's a lot of people out there who don't know a lot of this. And so don't, uh, just don't be, just don't take it for granted is my point, okay? So anyway, uh, it's not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee from me. Pray thee. Oh, yeah. I pray thee from me, if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. 
And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest into Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, separated themselves the one from the other. Abram uh, dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. All right, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, uh, we just pray for your holy name, and uh, Lord, we pray that you'll fill the sanctuary with your sweet Holy Spirit. Lord, lead us. Guide us, direct us in your word, Lord Jesus. Touch our hearts, our souls. Pierce, Lord, let us be confronted with things we may be dealing with, that we can bring glory to you. Let this word equip, let it edify. Most importantly, let it glorify you, and let us serve you well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 And so, uh, look at this verse. Again, we're, we're starting this teaching out uh, this morning in regards to Lot, but uh, we're going to show... Uh, there's some similarities between this and today, and you want to see here just a minute where I'm going with this. But the main significance that I want to point out here is the fact that we have two people who love the Lord, but went into different directions, literally and figuratively, in the fact that Abraham, it was Abram then, Abraham went in a direction to truly follow after the Lord. Of course, he made his mistakes too, he messed up. But Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, if you notice, he didn't immediately go to Sodom. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. And, uh, and it just, it's, it's like, you know, I was telling him earlier, you know, you've got to be careful what you like to be around with. Sometimes you think something is innocent, and next thing you know, you read over your head. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. First, it might not be that big a deal, but next thing you know, he's living inside of Sodom. And I told you, it kind of made me think when I was a kid. We lived on Possum Hollow Road when I was a kid. And uh, my grandfather built this pond. He had stocked with all kinds of different fish and such. Uh, I was 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. And uh, I had a stick, and I saw something in there, and I was trying to wedge in there, and I was trying to take that stick and pry it open, playing around that water. Well, that stick snapped, and I went head first in that water. And uh, I was freaked me out because this thing was full of snapping trouble, so I didn't try to get out of the place and grab it. God, I was drenched. Well, that's just it. See, you play around a pond. All right, that, that, that literally happened, but you play, play around upon figuratively around something you don't need to be around. They say, you know, you're in over your head. All right, that happened to me literally, but things like this can happen to you figuratively, and that's what we're seeing here uh, with Lot. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. He knew that there was a wicked place, as we saw in our hand, it plainly said that the men of Sodom were wicked sinners before the Lord exceedingly, and that's where Lot pitched his tent. They say, no, he's in over his head and dwelling in Sodom. So, with that said, let's skip on over here. Like I said, we're going to read all this, but I want you to keep in mind, uh, look over here at uh, 18, chapter 18, all right? And verses, uh, we'll start with verse 20. Now, I'm not going to read all this, but write this down, go back and go home, and read verses 20 through 33 to get the full context of what we're speaking about. I'm going to paraphrase here. I'm going to hit on a few things. But um, uh, verse 20 of chapter 18 says, And so the Lord... Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is grievous, I'll go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. And Abraham stood yet before the Lord, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? 
All right, so I'm gonna stop there. If you get a chance, we'll read the finish reading the rest of that. But uh, because he knew that uh, his nephew Lot was there uh, in Sodom, uh, I think that's one reason why uh, Abraham, uh, this time Abraham, for the evil, and then cousin Abraham, uh, he was trying to, you know, hey, don't, you know, can you there any way to spare the righteous with the wicked? He's trying to spare Lot, really, what it boiled down to. And he says, hey, can we destroy it uh, for the sake of 50 righteous people? And then he said, hey, uh, 45 people. Uh, would you destroy it for 40 people? 30 people? 20 people? 10 people? There weren't even 10 people, righteous people in there. And, uh, you know, everything, you know, he's being very humble. He's like, please, you know, I, I, you know, please forgive me, but let me ask this again. Would you destroy it because of this? Would you destroy it because of that? And, uh, and there just weren't enough people in there to keep it from happening. He was trying to spare law. So, fast forward here. We're going to look at uh, uh, 19, chapter 19. And uh, uh, again, when you get a chance, go ahead and read, really read that whole chapter if you get a chance. I just read the whole chapter, chapter 19. Uh, but let's read more a couple of verses here, 19, and we're going to move forward on. But it says in, in verse 1, uh, And there came two angels to Sodom, and even and Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed down his face toward the ground. Now remember, all right, if he's sitting at the gate, that means that he has reached a prominent position in the community. He was being a judge. So for him to be sitting there, it wasn't just like he sitting out front of a cattle gate playing in the dirt. Now there was a reason why he was sitting there, and it was a significant reason. Uh, because he had completely immersed himself in the things of Sodom. And behold, and he said, Behold, now my lords turn in, I pray you into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake a living bread, and they did eat. Now, uh, one thing I'm going to look at here, and I'll say, I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going to read all this. Obviously, uh, the angels came. They took on the appearance of man. They come to meet with Lot and uh, to warn him of the impending doom and danger is about to come. And uh, because they took the form of man, obviously the homosexuals wanted them. And uh, now, is that the only reason why Sodom was destroyed? All right, yes, homosexuality was prevalent. Uh, the traditional rules of marriage have been perverted, much as we see today. Uh, perversion of lust is running rampant. So there's a lot going on. Homosexuality was part of it, yes, but uh, there was a lot of hedonism going on on top of that. Uh, that they had turned their backs on God. He was no longer the ruler. He was no longer uh, of importance. And, and you see very much uh, the similarities between Sodom then and our nation today. It's almost scary, to be honest with you. And so when he found this out, that he wanted to destroy Sodom, he goes and tells the son-in-laws. And they laugh at him. They think he's crazy. So that tells me right there, that apparently he wasn't living what he was preaching. Because if they really, if he was truly living a life of godliness, they would have believed him. But so apparently he, he, he talked about it on both sides of his face. If he was truly interested in, in trying to be a minister or evangelize, well, he could have lived outside of Sodom and went into ministry. But he completely immersed himself into Sodom. Not only did he live in Sodom, but Sodom was dwelling in his heart. And so in all these things, he became immune to. And so... Uh, uh, here we see him wanting to offer up his daughters to be gang raped, if you will, and, uh, uh, to, in order to protect uh, the two angels. And, uh, you know, what he did was wrong. It wasn't right. But he'd become so, so uh, uh, indicted with the things of Sodom. He, he'd become numb, desensitized. He would rather sacrifice his daughters than to lose honor uh, than to uh, 
uh, disgraced his guest. And so what he did was, was clearly wrong. So here the angels tell him, listen, it's going to be destroyed. There's brimstone and hell going to come down. It's going to be annihilated. You've got to get out of here. Don't look back. Run. Get out of here. All right. That's when we come to verse 16. And this is, you know, because this is here, we're going to get 16. I had a completely different message today. I've done had my PowerPoint done, outline, everything was done. And then Friday morning, the Lord lays this on my heart. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm like really praying. I was talking to Dad. I said, man, I got two sermons. What do I do? He said, well, if it was me, I would pray about doing what the Lord wants me to do. I was like, you're kidding. I would never thought of that. You know, he said, well, he said, my 45 years, that's what I'm learning. I said, thanks, Dad. Big help. So I, I really pray about it. And the Lord gracious Lord led me to. And it's just, because when I was doing my personal Bible study, I do that every morning. I don't say that to be some super Christian here, but I, I have to have that alone time with me and the Lord, reading my Bible and my prayer. And this verse just stuck with me. It would not leave me alone. And, uh, and it's, verse 16 says, And while he lingered, the man laid upon, hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So I sit there thinking, you know, I guess what's in my mind so much. I'm there thinking, you have angels from God telling you, tuck tail, run, get the heck out of here. And he's there taking his time to the point that they had to literally grab him by the hand with his family and jerk them out of there. I thought, how did you sit there? Because they had so much love for the city. They had friends there. They loved their home. And they just taking their time. When I was reading that, uh, one thing I came in to think of, I thought, well, you know, although that is true, that they had love for the for Sodom, that's one why they were taking their time. But then you have people out there kind of like my father-in-law, all right? It don't matter. I'm going to tell you right now, I love the man. But there could be, we could be out in the yard, there would be a bear coming out after us. If they call me, there's a bear, there's a bear. Yeah, I know. Well... Come on over here, let me show you something. I'm like, Hoppy, there's a bear. It's going to rip us apart. Yeah, that'd be all right. Let's go on over here. Let me show you. Show you the carpet. I'm telling you, the man's pants would be on fire. And he'd be like, yeah, it'd be all right. I, <laughs> I haven't seen nothing like it in my life. You know? So maybe a little bit. Maybe Lot was a little bit like my father-in-law. Yeah, get your stuff. Yeah, I guess we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Hoppy. But, but it just, uh, but it's true though, it's there. He wouldn't get in a hurry. It don't matter. He wouldn't get in a hurry. Nothing is hard. But, uh, but he had love. And that, that bothered me that he, he lingered. I don't know. It just, it just stuck in my head that he, he was just taking his sweet time. But, you know, we all make mistakes. Trust me. We all make mistakes. I make one every single day. I make the wrong decisions every time I turn around. Brandon can tell you. I, uh, uh, particularly financially, I'm like, oh, let's do this, let's do this, be great, and then I end up screwing up, and then, oh, it, it, you know, it's normally not just one bad decision, it's usually a domino effect of many bad decisions, and then, then you know, I'm getting hollered at my mom, wife, my dad, and everybody else, but anyway, so, you know, but you see that uh, even with Samson, you know, here he was, God blessed him with incredible strength and abilities and all these things, but what happened? He let lust rule in his heart, and it screwed up, and he his eyes gouged down, and then of course, he took a ton of Philistines, but then you look at Judas. I mean, here he, he walked with Christ uh, for a long time and then turned around and, and, and you know, uh, turned coat on him, traitor. And uh, then you see King Saul. Here he was, you know, a mighty man, head above everybody else. 
And when he allowed his tribe and areas to take over. See, that's the problem. See, there's uh, the, the, the pride of the flesh, the pride of the, eye, the, the eyes. And, and there's, there's and the, I think that's the point of where I'm getting at. Well, I know that's what's going on. I think is what I know is what I'm getting at this morning is that we've got to be careful. Uh, I worry about Christians today. See, Lot had come desensitized. He allowed excuses and he uh, made allowances for all the sin and the hedonism that was going on uh, around him uh, in Sodom. And he'd become complacent. He'd become apathetic. He'd been cold in his walk with Christ. And we don't see uh, really what, we don't see the snippet of Lot's life here. Uh, we know that he did love the Lord. In fact, he even had to uh, help uh, Abraham uh, get him back, of course, at one point in time. And, and, but we, we don't really see much about him afterwards. But he's called a righteous man. If you look at uh, uh, 1 Peter, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Peter, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Let me get over here. 2 Peter, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Uh, we see here, um, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man, righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So, you know, so he was considered a righteous man. So either he must have asked for forgiveness and, and um, did, had a better walk with God, obviously, after the events that had transpired uh, in Sodom, uh, because he was considered a righteous man. I mean, even look at King David, he was considered a man of God's own heart, and again, lust ruled in his heart. Uh, I worry, because we see, as we see this morning, that lack of attendance here, uh, churches are shutting down because of the lack of attendance, Christians who make excuses and allowances for sin. Uh, you know, it amazes me uh, that uh, individuals who will excuse uh, homosexual activity. Now, listen, uh, this, this is not what this is about today about homosexuality. Uh, but uh, God's word clear on the topic. And it amazes me how people will uh, say, well, that, that's, you know, well, God's word was talking about this, or they try to explain it away. Uh, well, that's not the way it works. It is. Uh, the proper hermeneutics tells us there's only one way to interpret God's word. It's how it applied to the original audience, how it's applied today, and what it truly means. Now, God can reveal, uh, the Holy Spirit can reveal something maybe to you uh, uh, in, his, in his word, but it doesn't uh, contradict the meaning of that passage. And people want to discount that. But, you know, we can sit here and pick at homosexuality, but there's a whole slew of, of heterosexual sins too, with pornography, adultery, womanizing, all these other things, right? You know, that we, we have to, to speak against too, that uh, that was going on in Sodom as well, just as much uh, as it is going on today. And so, so many Christians make excuses for sin. And, uh, and when something is called out as sinful, uh, they always want to say, uh, well, well, we shouldn't judge. I, I hate that. Oh, you all know how much I hate that with a passion. If we did not judge, then prisons would be empty. We, we have to make judgment calls each and every day between right and wrong. We have to judge. We are told to judge. We are told to judge righteously by the same way we ourselves will be judged in heaven. We are to judge. But it's just so many people, they, they, you know, they want to make those excuses for sin. And they want to say, well, I shouldn't have done that, but. Well, I shouldn't have said this, but. And, you know, ain't nobody perfect. All right, there's nobody perfect. And every time I mess up, that's so why I tell my kids, I tell them, well, I'm sorry. I messed up. I screwed up. I tell my kids, don't be like me. Be better than me, okay? I mess up all the time. I screw up all the time. Say things I shouldn't. But realize, 
that sin is abhorrent in God's eyes, and it should be just as abhorrent and horrible in our eyes. It's easy to sit there and say, well, I shouldn't have said that cuss word, but, you know, this person did this and this. I should act this way, but this, you, know, you can explain the way sin. That's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to get more and more desensitized uh, to the things that are sinful before God's eyes. Look at how Hollywood uh, encourages sinful lifestyles. Well, there's homosexual activity, which by Hollywood standards, apparently everybody and their brother is homosexual. You look at any TV show or, or movie, uh, you know, but less than 4% even deal with that in the nation. 4%. All right, but in Hollywood and television, it's like it's a prominent thing. And, it, and what bad is, is pure propaganda and indoctrination to our young people. Because we, as Christians, mature adults, we see this and we're like, man, this is wrong. But our kids are seeing this and they think, oh, well, it's okay. Everybody's justified and it, it's just fine. No big deal. You know, Brandon's talking about she's dealt last night. She said, you wouldn't believe the, the younger people that, particularly um, uh, girls, hold each other's hands and. You know, you can tell they were in a relationship. It just, they, it has been this, this lifestyle choice has been given an excuse. And, and what's bad is, like I say, uh, it's not just about homosexuality in general, but churches will not speak against anything that's offensive, politically incorrect, because they don't want to offend anybody. If you come to this church, I'm going to do my best to speak the truth in love, but you're going to hear the whole word of God, whether it's offensive or not. And one thing I asked on that first service, I hope that I offend you today. And people are like, what in the world? Why would you want that? Because my goal is to bring conviction. And if I can bring conviction, then I bring about repentance. And if you're going to be convicted, you're going to be offended. The cross itself is offensive. And so if I say something that offends you, then hopefully that's God's word convicting you. So I hope that I offend you today. But see, that's just a problem. Too many preachers after they don't want to offend anybody. They want to play nice-nice to make everybody happy and then fun, fun, fun. That's why we've got to stand on the whole word of God. We have to quit being complacent and allowing the world to dwell in our hearts just as Sodom dwell in Lot's heart. It's easy to look back and look at Lot and say, man, what's his problem? What's going on? Hey, you're right here in the midst of it right now. What is your problem? You know, there's a time when uh, it was back in the 90s when Ellen DeGeneres had her sitcom. Man, people went ballistic because of her lifestyle. Rolled in, said they want to uh, not support sponsors or watch this network. They took the show off. Where's everybody at now? You know, there's more garbage than that they ever thought about being on TV. Netflix had a show on there about Jesus Christ being gay. You know, where's the outcry? If that was Muhammad, buddy, they'd be out there riding in the streets. They attack Christianity, attack our God, not a peep. Well, we don't want to do anything that's anybody. That's crazy, man. We've got to start standing up. I think Christians say, well, the world's doormat. Everybody's wiping their feet on us. We're supposed to go, thank you. No, we're not called to be weak. We're called to be bold as lions. We're called to do what is right in God's eyes. And anything contrary to God's word, we have to fight against. Why do you think God's word says we have to be the salt of the earth? If there's no salt, then there's no flavor. There's no salt to show anything anymore. Do you many Christians just want to lay down and show their belly and that's it? Why? Because they're letting the world dwell in them. I want you to look over here at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16.
Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but, uh, but is of the world. And very important here, verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, that he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Alright? You catch it? All these will pass away. Alright? If you're saved, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, your citizenship lies in heaven. We're just passing through this world. All right? We're in it, but we're not of it. And for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will live eternally. But all of this is going to pass away. None of this stuff is going to last. And if you're doing the will of the Father, if you're pursuing godly things, if you're putting Jesus Christ first, then you're going to push away those things of the world out of your heart. But if you're trying to compromise then you're going to have a real problem. See, I think too many people think that, um, uh, well, uh, you know, they, they just want to, to uh, have their cake and eat it too. They want to have one foot in the world and one foot with God. They want to uh, speak the, the Christian talk, but your actions don't reveal anything different. They say that they've given their heart to Christ, but they're not showing any fruit. They're, they, they, act, they say one thing, but act differently. So that there's, there's the problem there. So are you trying to be of the world or are you just in it? You know, like we got all of our youth up here. And I, I, I hate it for them because, you know, those of us who, uh, we kind of grew up with the, with most people having a sense of some kind of morality, even though they weren't Christian, at least they had some sense of morality. Now it's like, well, whatever feels good, do it. There's no, no litmus test of anything. You know, we need to be praying every day. God, let me see all things through your eyes. Let me judge all things through you. Let me fundamentally change and transform the way I think, look, and see things. I mean, we want to have that such a close relationship with Jesus Christ that we everything we see and do is through God's eyes. And they know society may go in this tangent direction and, and say this, this, this is acceptable, this is okay. If it's contrary to the word of God, that's when we draw the line and say, no. I have to stand by God. I have to do what is right. I have to stand against those things that are sinful and wrong. And it's hard to do. It's not always easy because it's easy to compromise. Well, God loves everybody, so it's okay. Uh, I don't know about you all, but God don't love sin. All right, that's the problem. You know, everybody just wants to pass it off. As, and you've heard me say before, as Jesus being some celestial hippie, then everything goes. God hates sin. And there's too many Christians that are justifying sin because they have allowed the world to infiltrate their hearts. That is the problem we're having here. That's why you have so many apathetic Christians, so many Christians who are complacent, so many lukewarm Christians. You know what Jesus was talking about that? The church of Laodicea, lukewarm. You know why he would use that term lukewarm? Because in Rome, they had these aqueducts and the water where it was pretty... You know, you know what spring water is like, really cold and, and good, but it was so many miles away that the time that cold water reached the city, it, it wasn't hot like the hot springs when they took their baths. It wasn't cold from where it came from. It was just nasty, lukewarm. It could, you, you tried to drink it, it would make you sick. It was just lukewarm, nasty water. And that's why he's used that term, lukewarm, so they would understand what he's referring to. That's the problem. we got too many lukewarm Christians in the world today. We need to be on fire for Jesus Christ. And, and, and this is not just a, a mere emotion. 
This is a relationship with Christ that you love him so much that you can't get enough. And just like the other night, we went and had to go to the crowd. I eat, I mean, if I want to pay $15 for food, I'm going to make sure I get my money's worth. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm knocking the old people out of the way, pulling my seat out right there at the, at the buffet and just chowing down. You know, I'm going to make sure I, I get enough because I paid good money. I'm going to make sure I get my food. And I tell you what, uh, so many people in there, I, I was like, one old man, I think he about pushed me down because I was trying to get a piece of chicken. But it just, uh, but see, that's just it because. I could get enough. I wanted more and more. That's why we should be as Christians. We can't get enough. We want more and more. We want to be here because the church doors are open. You know, we, we are hungry for the things of God. That our appetite should never be full. It should never be enough. I think that's the problem to me. People, they've got just enough. They don't want any more. They've got just enough what they want. And, you know, we should be content in all things, but we should not be content in, in, uh, in our relationship with Christ. We should always strive to have more. We should not be stagnant. We should always be in a state of growth. Now, some of you all in here are parents, grandparents. You know when you have children that when they are born that you have to take them to the doctor on a regular basis. What do they do? When you bring them in there, they put them on that uh, uh, scale. They see how much they weigh. They get them entertained, how much they've grown. If they're not gaining weight and they're not growing, well, they're, they, there's a real sign of concern there, Right? And so what are they going to do? They're going to go medication, give them some different formula, try everything in the world to, uh, to get that growth uh, uh, to, to start happening. That's just it. There's too many Christians. They said, they said Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, and that's it. There's no more growth. There's no more gaining of weight. That, that should be a real sign of concern. I've talked to people who said that, well, I've just grown cold in my walk, that I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, excited anymore. Then that's when you've got to immerse yourself in God's Word. You've got to immerse yourself Getting back into God's Word, spending that time of prayer, asking God to, to fuel that fire that is within you, to get you excited. What, what drew you to Christ to begin with? What got you excited about Jesus Christ to begin with? Pray for God to help you to stoke the flames of your heart so that you could be a true man or woman of God. That you get excited about the things of Jesus Christ anymore. That you're not like Lot, who become complacent, who grew cold in a spiritual walk. And that he was no more distinguishable between the Christians and those of Sodom. And there's too many people in this world that claim Christianity, but they look no different than anybody else out in the world. That is not good. You know, if you're sitting there telling the dirty jokes, listening to dirty jokes just like everybody is, watching the crap on TV, like, ah, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. That's just the way that, you know, it's just a movie. It's just a TV show. You know, it's easy to do that. So if you're alive, I've done that too. I wish I hadn't said that. Hey, it's a good move. You know, at some point, we're going to say, no, this is wrong. I, in fact, after praying today, I'm already just shut the old TV down. We just get books and read. We can turn into Little House of the Prairie for all I care. I'm just, I'm done. You know, I'm just sick and tired of the garbage over there. In fact, we started watching a movie the other day, the opening, the opening scene. Let's do homosexuals, kids. And I took that disc and I threw it. I said, I'm sick of this stuff. All right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm tired of it. You know, I'm done. But again, you know, we can sit and harp on one particular lifestyle, but, it, 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 but we need to make sure we're hitting all sins. You know, whether it's gluttony or sexuality, lust, whatever it is. There's a whole, whole list of stuff we all have to work on, but we don't make excuses for. We've got to get on fire for the Lord again. We need to see our churches full again. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, I harp on that all the time. 
And sometimes I wonder, am I getting through at all? Because I don't see any increase on Sunday night and Wednesday night. I, mean, I understand you have to work or your kids are sick. Sometimes, you know, sometimes people live really far away that come to church. I understand that. And I'm not trying to be nasty in any way. It's just I want to encourage you. That's the thing. I want to encourage you to get excited for Jesus. Be on fire for God. I feel like so many people just got so complacent and just so numb and so lukewarm. It's nauseating. And I blame the lack of proper teaching, lack of pastors out there. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's bad. And we're living in the last days, but you want to admit it or not, we're living in the last days. You've got volcanoes erupting, earthquakes, wars. I mean, my gosh, you might as well just open up and, and look at Revelation. You're looking at today's paper. So either you better get your act together and get your heart right with Christ, or uh, you know what? You're going to be in a very hot place for a very long time. That's what it's talking about here in verse 17. And the Lord passed away. And the lust thereof, but that do it the will of God, the will of God abideth forever. All right? We have to focus. Again, our citizenship is not here, it is in heaven. All right? We're passing through this temporal plane. And I think so many people are allowed the temporal to dominate your thoughts on the eternal. That's where our focus has got to be on the eternal. Our focus has got to be on Jesus Christ. That's where we have to focus every day and not be bogged down by the things of this rotten world. We're going to deal with death, suffering, and pain, and sorrow, and just garbage every day. But it's temporary. These sufferings are temporary. Then we get to spend all of eternity with Jesus. And so that's where our focus has to be. Now I want you to look over here to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, uh, we're running out of time, but tonight, Lord willing, it's going to be kind of a continuation of, uh, that we're going to hit on, mainly we'll focus on in Matthew 6, but because um, where your heart is, uh, is what we're going to focus on. But anyway, we're going to uh, just make it a continuation of this morning. So I hope you'll come back tonight and join us. But the main thing I want to focus on here before we go. Uh, is that, that God showed uh, Lot uh, grace, he showed him mercy, he showed him compassion. You know, God could have easily just burned Lot up in his family with the rest of them. And, uh, but he showed mercy, he showed that compassion, he showed that grace to Lot. And even though they told him everything to do, not to look back, when his wife just turned around and looked, you know, and his daughters, oh, that's so gross, with, uh, you know, they thought he was the only man left. And, and there's incest involved. And it's just, uh, it's, you know, when you read that, you're thinking, gross, man, you know. It's just, the whole thing was just screwed up. But still, God showed grace, compassion, and mercy. And that's what God is showing you today, showing me. He shows his grace. Free gift from God, you know. When you give a gift, it's not like a loan that you have to pay it back. It's a free gift for you to take and receive. You are the recipient. The person giving it is, you know, they, they, it's a loss to them. If you may want to look at it that way, it's a free gift to you. Showing mercy and compassion. And these words are a lot of times generally used interchangeably, but they are different. And when you show mercy, you're showing uh, compassion on someone who is in need. And when you show that compassion, you, you're looking at those who are, are pitiful and need help. Well, we all need help. 
That's why we need God's grace, that free gift. We need his mercy. We need his compassion. And even though we make wrong mistakes, even though we do mess up, even though we, we screw up every day, he shows that same mercy, grace, and compassion he showed Lot. He forgives us. He loves us. He doesn't give up on us. But we have got to trust in him. And we can't no longer just sit on the sidelines. We've got to get on fire for Jesus Christ. We've got to get on fire for God. And if you've not given your heart to God today, if you're not giving your heart to Jesus Christ today, I am begging you to make that decision. Now you can sit here and come to church every time the doors are open. You can sit and talk like a super Christian every single day. That will not get you into heaven. It's only confessing your sins, accepting Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, accepting that free gift of God. So that blood that was shed was shed for you. Jesus is real. God is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. The world will tell you otherwise. And just because you're good don't mean you're getting into heaven. If you've not made that profession of faith, please, I am begging you to do that today. If you are a Christian, you better get your hand in the proverbial sand and start, and start getting on fire for God. Because I'm telling you, we'll be judged for that. You got to get on fire. We got to, we got to put God first. We got to trust in Him. Because if you don't, I'm just telling you, man, it's I, He's going to spew you out of your mouth. If you're just lukewarm, He's going to spew you out of your mouth, out of His mouth. Let's get on fire for God today. All right? Are you, do you love Jesus? Amen. Are you excited for Jesus? Amen. And show it. Amen. Amen. To be a distinction between us and the world. We have been set apart. Let's start acting like it. Now, if you'll stand, we will have a word of prayer. As Mrs. Brown is kind enough to play the invitation, if you don't know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, please come up here and talk to me. Uh, or if you have any concerns, we'll be happy to pray with you as well. Let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and praise you. Lord, help us not to get bogged down by the things of the world. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be on fire for you. Help us not to be complacent. Help us not to be lukewarm. Help us not to be cold in our walk. May we constantly and continually be in a state of growth to constantly be searching you out, to be on fire. Lord, if you're listening this morning or watching this morning or in the sanctuary, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your first Lord and Savior, please pray this now. And dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Hope everybody's good night, a good day. And like I said, we're about you back this evening at six o'clock, and we're going to dive into God's Word and then continue on with what we talked about this morning. And you don't want to miss that, you really don't. So let us pray. Then, Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you, and uh, Lord, just thank you for us to come together and meet this morning to fellowship and to learn. And uh, Lord, just pray to be each every person here this morning to lead, guide, watch your protection, and we'll meet again. Lord, let us serve you well, and then one day we'll hear, "Well done, good and faithful servant." In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.